Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. So glad you could be with us for this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. One of the things that Eric and I have both noticed when it came to the April 2022 general conference that was put on by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was the strong emphasis on keeping covenants, almost to the point where it makes us wonder what were the people thinking when they were sitting listening to this constant bombardment of do this, do this, if you do this, then you get that. It must get to a point in the mind of the Latter-day Saint where can I even do all these things that they are expecting us to do? How, how can a person leave the general conference building and hold his hands up in the air and say, I am so glad I was doing everything that they told us to do in those messages? You know nobody does that, but yet they still come out smiling as if everything is okay in their lives. But yet when you talk to Latter-day Saints and you Ask them personally if they are living up to the standards that is expected in order to receive what they believe to be celestial exaltation. In most cases, I would say, it becomes a whole different story. They know that they are not doing it. But yet, the conference messages were strongly emphasizing keeping covenant, stay on the covenant path. And I don't mean to bore our listeners with this theme. But I do want to make this statement because I do get a little weary when I hear Christians, especially Christian scholars or Christian leaders, try to tell me that the LDS church when it comes to salvation is really not much different than what the Christian church has believed historically. It makes me wonder, do any of these people who hold to that kind of a position do they ever listen to General Conference? Do they ever read any editions of the Leahona magazine or the old Ensign magazine? Do they really listen to what the leaders are saying in their books? Or are they just listening to their LDS neighbor over a fence or in some kind of a conversation around a table somewhere as if their LDS neighbor somehow reflects the official position of the LDS Church? You see, what we try to do here, folks, on Viewpoint on Mormonism is refer to what is considered to be official teachings from the church. Official teachings would include conference messages. It would include what is published in the Leahona magazine. It would include all of this. It does not include personal opinions. Now, it's not that we won't ever give an individual member's personal opinion, but usually when we do that, we're trying to make a point showing this is what some average members do believe on this subject. We cannot overemphasize the importance of defining our terms, because when you're talking with that neighbor over the fence and he says, oh, we're saved by the atonement, we believe in grace, etc., etc., 
But if you are going to have an effective conversation, you cannot just assume that what they are saying is what you believe as a Christian. You need to ask the question, what do you mean when you say atonement? What do you mean when you say salvation by grace? When you ask those kinds of questions, get them to define it better. And what we're going to do this week is we're going to be taking a look at a talk and understanding better where the Latter-day Saints are coming from as far as the pre-existence and what is mortality about and what happens after mortality. These are important concepts for us to understand if we're going to be able to talk about this issue of what is required for salvation. You know, I think one of the reasons why I get a little impatient with some of our Christian scholars and such who have bought into this notion that there's not a big difference between LDS teaching and what we have believed historically is because many times in their conference messages, these speakers, they don't hide what they're believing. In the April 2022 conference especially, you would almost have to be not paying attention to draw the conclusion that somehow works are not required for an individual Latter-day Saint's exaltation. When we look at this talk that was given by a 70, a man by the name of Adeyinka A. Ohedrin, he is a Nigerian, and he is a member of the First Quorum of the 70. He was ordained as a 70 on April 4, 2020, at the age of 52. He's, he's rather young when you consider most of the ages of at least the apostles and especially the First Presidency. But he gave a talk called The Covenant Path, The Way to Eternal Life. That phrase was used more than once in this particular general conference, that the covenant path, if you hope to get eternal life, and we have to make it clear if you're not familiar with that term, eternal life in the context of Mormonism is exaltation or godhood. He says in the subheading on this article, that starts on page 104 of the May 2022 issue of Liahona. The subheading is, The path to perfection is the covenant path, and Jesus Christ is the center of all ordinances and covenants. And there we go again. As you mentioned, Bill, we have to define what does it mean, covenant path. We've been talking about that. How about the way to eternal life? You need to understand, as you said, exaltation is celestial glory. That is what they're referring to. And then it's muddled in that subheading. The path to perfection is the covenant path, and Jesus Christ is the center of all ordinances and covenants. My question is, what do you mean Jesus Christ is the center of all ordinances and covenants? I think it's more on you and your shoulders rather than on what Jesus has done. And we're going to talk about that this week because I think this is an important talk, which follows, by the way, uh, Russell M. Nelson and Dallin H. Oaks, the top two leaders. They put this guy in this spot to follow up and to reiterate everything that has just been said in the last two talks. But Eric, don't you think it's ironic that to use this expression that Jesus Christ is the center of all ordinances and covenants? But yet, if you receive exaltation, in Mormonism, you become God, you get your own world, you start the process over again. Jesus really has nothing to do with this at all. Once a Latter-day Saint receives exaltation, gets his own world, his own earth, he starts populating that earth with his wife, who is sealed to him for eternity, those offspring will worship him. I can't say them because you're not really supposed to worship that heavenly mother. See, every world has its heavenly mother, and they're merely repeating the process. But where is Jesus in all this? 
he's not a part of this. It's all about them at that point. And I think that is lost on a lot of people who are not really familiar with how the doctrines of this church operate. Well, he starts off his talk by telling the story about a powerful king who desired for his son to rule over one of his kingdoms. The prince had to learn and grow in wisdom to sit on the throne. One day the king met with the prince and shared his plan. They agreed the prince would go to a different town and gain experiences. He would face challenges as well as enjoy many good things there. The king then sent him to the town where the prince was expected to prove his faithfulness to the king and demonstrate that he was fit to receive the privileges and responsibilities the king had in store for him. The prince was given the liberty to choose to receive these privileges and responsibilities or not, depending on his desires and his faithfulness. I am sure you want to know what happened to the prince. Did he return to inherit the kingdom? Okay, let's go back and let's pick out some words in that opening paragraph there. The king then sent him to the town where the prince was expected to prove his faithfulness. Now, that's a theme that is often given in general conference messages, that the Latter-day Saint is supposed to prove their faithfulness by doing what? By keeping the covenants that they make at baptism, by keeping the covenants that they make when they go to the temple. This is how the Latter-day Saint hopes to achieve that exaltation that they've been promised by proving their faithfulness in doing what is expected. And notice it says the prince was given the liberty to choose to receive these privileges and responsibilities or not, depending on his desires and his faithfulness. Of course, if you have true faithfulness, you're going to want to choose to receive these privileges, which means, as a Latter-day Saint, you're going to do what is absolutely necessary in order to achieve those privileges. Every work that an individual Latter-day Saint is doing, he's doing it for selfish purposes, to get something from their God that they want throughout eternity. It really isn't being done to glorify the one who they worship. It's to gain something. So eventually, and let's be clear about this, so eventually they will be the one that is being worshipped. So you can see the reason for these works is entirely different than why a Christian does his works. I'm not doing my works to be exalted or to be worshipped down the road. I hope to do my works that I might glorify the one who saved me. Do I do that perfectly? No, I don't. Sadly, I don't. My fallenness interferes with that a lot. But still, my reasoning, I think, is very different than the reasoning that many Latter-day Saints have. He's going to go on to talk about how we are prince and princesses. Dear brothers and sisters, each of us is a prince or princess. We have been sent to mortality by a loving Heavenly Father to enjoy the blessings of a body that would become immortal through the atonement and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are expected to prepare to return to God's presence by proving that we will, quote, do all things whatsoever the Lord our God shall command us, end quote, and that's Abraham. 325 in the Pearl of Great Price. Well, when he quotes Abraham 325, I don't see anywhere where it says that they are going to do some things whatsoever the Lord shall command. 
It says specifically that they're supposed to do all things, and this is what is required in Mormonism if the Latter-day Saint hopes to receive all these particular blessings or privileges as Mr. O'Hederan has described so far. What he's referring to is our mortal probation. They believe that we are the literal offspring of God the Father and a heavenly mother, and we lived for a time in their presence, but we could not progress as much as we needed to progress being in their presence, so it was necessary that we would come down to this earth and be tempted by the things of this earth in order to prove ourselves worthy. This loving Heavenly Father, as they describe him, is going to send us down here. Now we're going to be tried for the second time. See, you have to understand, this is the second time we're going through a test like this. We went through a test before in the pre-existence. Early leaders said it had to do with the war in heaven and on what side you chose. And according to Mormonism, before 1978, Mr. O'Hedron, because of the fact that he is a man of African heritage, he has black skin, leaders were saying he was not as worthy as he could have been in that war in heaven. Now, that's all been abandoned since 1978, and now the LDS Church no longer holds to that position. But in tomorrow's show, we're going to continue where we left off here with this discussion about this mortal probation. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.